we, we bring our overseers, uh, which are three pastors, uh, senior leaders of, of churches around our state. Uh, they're seasoned. They're ahead of me. Uh, they have uh, wisdom and insight to be able to help us as a church be healthy. So when it comes to be accountable, these are the guys that I'm accountable to. Uh, they're incredible leaders, and I, I appreciate all of them. And so today we have our, our third overseer. Uh, we had Callie the first week. Uh, we had Jason the second week. And then last week we had the pastor of our network, Pastor Mike, did an incredible job. Um, and then today we have our third overseer, which is Randy Joslin uh, from Farmington, New Mexico. And so Pastor Randy has been in Farmington for 30 years. Uh, Seth, and it's awesome. We're almost four years old in September, and uh, I can only imagine what that would look like, in, what, what the Grove would look like in 26 years. Well, that's Pastor Randy. He's looking back at his 30 years and saying, man, God's done a lot of stuff, and I, I, I can only imagine the stories that come with that. Um, and I, one day I'm looking forward to seeing that, looking back with our church saying, man, look how far we've come. Look what God has done and be able to celebrate that. Uh, but I, I appreciate Ra- Pastor Randy so much. He came last November and shared. Um, he's our newest overseer, and uh, I appreciate his heart. And since I've asked him to step in to be part of our overseers, um, I've, I valued his input and his leadership. I've taken some of his leadership classes he's offered to our network. And also, he's, he's the reason I went to India. He invited me to go to India with him and a team to go see some needs out there we can partner with. And that's the reason we're, we're partnering with uh, Calcutta Mercy is because of Pastor Randy's heart to, to go out and, and, and just see the needs around our world to, to do some good work. And so I'm honored to be able to introduce uh, Pastor Randy. So, Pastor Randy, would you come on up? Um, and Grove, would you do me a favor? Would you stand to your feet? Let's give him a, a warm welcome and welcome a good Grove welcome to the Grove today. It's Pastor Randy, thank you so much. I appreciate you. His wife, Debbie, is here also with him. So, uh, Pastor Randy, please uh, take some time to share with us. And thank yeah. you for being thank here. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Eric. Pastor Eric mentioned that, uh, that we have been the lead pastors in Farmington for 30 years. Uh, we started when we were 10, and uh, so that's, uh, that's why we're so young. Uh, and uh, last week, I understand my pastor was here, uh, Pastor Mike Dickinson. Uh, so this is two bald guys in a row uh, for you guys. So it could be setting a trend, uh, maybe coming your way soon. Uh, it's a real delight to, to be here. And uh, to get to share with you today, um, I loved what the uh, worship team sang, that, that God's love has no end, that there's no end to his love. And, and in the Bible, there are 150 uh, psalms that David wrote, Moses wrote, others wrote, that, that express about who God is. And, and I love the psalms because... There are some of those psalms that express frustration, uh, sometimes maybe the same frustration that I feel. Uh, many of them uh, reveal the heart of God. And, and today I want to share with you uh, one of those psalms, Psalm 139, that I think reveals the heart of God. Because today there, there are four things that I want you to know about God. Uh, this is not in any stretch of the imagination a, uh, an exhaustive study. I mean, how, how do you exhaust the, the study of God? Theologians have been trying to do that for centuries, and, and nobody's been able to exhaust it yet. But in Psalm 139, there, there are four things uh, about God that I think are, are good for us to know if we've never known them before, or maybe for some of us uh, to be reminded of of God's love and his 
concern and his compassion for us. So over the next several minutes, I want to, I want to walk us through uh, Psalm 139. Psalm 139, first of all, I want you to know this, is that God knows you. In Psalm 139, verse 1, it says, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. That of the billions of people that live in our world today, God wants you to know today that he knows you. And David expresses some pretty amazing things. That that God knows whether I'm sitting down or I'm standing up. Uh, that he knows uh, what I'm going to say before I say it. Sometimes that can be intimidating. Uh, sometimes I don't, I don't know about you, but there are times where I don't necessarily uh, say the right things at the right time and the, with the right attitude. But he says, I, I know you, that I know where you are. I know what's going on in your life. What I see in this is that, is that God is saying, I, I know what's happening in your life. I'm paying attention to what, even, even to the tiniest of details. He says, you see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. Now, before I got saved, I was raised in church. That was an intimidating verse to me. <laughs> oh, great. God, God knows everything I do. That's, that's not a good thing. And then as I've grown in my relationship with God, I've come to understand the heart of God. That that's not like some stalker God. It's not some creeper God. It's the fact that, that He cares about me. And that, and that He knows where I am today. He knows what I'm going through. He, he knows my struggles. He knows whether I'm on the mountaintop or, or I'm in the valley. He knows what's, what's going on around me. But not only does, does God know you and he's paying attention. Have you ever noticed when somebody's talking to you that maybe they're not really paying attention? That, that maybe they look past you or, or, uh, or, may, or maybe they pick up their phone and, and, and you're talking and they start texting and, and then you, cause I, I, I hate to admit this, but I've had, I've had times where I've done that and Debbie's gone, uh, when you finish that conversation, we'll talk. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'll I'll just put that down. In fact, one uh, this is probably a classic of not paying attention, and you should have been. Debbie and I were in Durango, Farmington's just south of Durango, Colorado, and we were up there for an evening, and and uh, and we were walking down the sidewalk together. Guys, pay really close attention to this. And uh, we passed a restaurant that we used to really like. It's called Francisco's. It's now shut down, and now they've remodeled it. It's like three or four different things. And, and we were commenting about how things change and, uh, and talking about how this restaurant that we once loved is now no longer there, and now there's three or four shops, and we were talking about how things change. And, and I promise you that I thought I heard Debbie say, that's sad, to which I replied, yes, thinking we were talking about 
the remodeling and how things change. Somehow I missed it because what she actually said was, I'm fat. To which I replied, yes, very sincerely. That created a whole other discussion that we had as we continued to walk down the, the sidewalk about, about paying attention to what's going on. And, and what the psalmist is telling us is God never quits paying attention wherever we are. So not only does God know you, but the next segment of, the, of this psalm says that he pursues you. I want you to listen to this. It says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. That David says, it doesn't matter where I go, your presence is there. That you're there with me. That not only does, does God know about you, but he pursues you. And David says, it, it doesn't matter where I go. Whether I'm, I'm in the topest, tallest mountain, whether I'm in the deepest sea, if I'm over by the ocean, if I'm where, wherever it is, God And notice what it says. It doesn't say that you come there. It says that your presence is there. And when he's talking about his presence, I I don't think he's talking about the omnipresence of God, the fact that God is everywhere all the time at the same time. I, I don't think that's really what he's talking about. I think he's talking about the presence that you and I have sensed this morning, that his presence is here. That the Word of God teaches us that that as we worship, His presence comes and fills the place where we are. That He says, where, wherever I go, whatever I'm struggling with, I love the fact that it says, your strength will uphold me. That not only is God's presence there, but the fact that He is going to be with me, He's going to give me strength in those hard times, in those difficult times. And I can tell you, in my life, I've, I've experienced some, some pretty deep valleys. And what I've discovered in those deep valleys is that His presence is more real there probably than than any other time that I've experienced. And He says that that I'm after you. And and it's not the kind of after you that that some people think that, well, I can't wait till you step out of line so I can whack you upside the head. That's not the kind of pursuit that God's in. His pursuit of us is a pursuit of love, that he, he cares so much about us. So he knows about us, and, and he pursues us. Not only that, but the psalmist goes on to tell us, God made us. And in here are some pretty incredible things that he says. In verse 13, he says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. 
You know, today science has done some pretty remarkable things. In David's day, he was, he was basically talking about what he knew. And even in those days, he said, you have made us wonderfully complex. And only, only in recent years have we begun to understand how incredibly complex we are. How God has created us and fashioned us. It's pretty remarkable how God is, has, God is, has done that and formed us and, and He made us. He's the one who created us. In fact, if you read Genesis, you discover that human beings are the crowning achievement of His creation. We're the only ones that Genesis describes that He breathed into and gave the breath of life. And David said, it's pretty amazing how you've made us. Because every one of us that's in this room today, every one of us is unique. There is no one in the room that has your fingerprint. There's no one in the world that has your fingerprint. There's no one in the world that, that has the retina that you have. Several years ago in Houston, they were doing some, uh, uh, some, some studies, some research on retina recognition. And they developed an ATM machine that you didn't need a card for. All you did was you walked up, it scanned your retina, and then it gave, it, it gave you access to your, to your bank account. Because nobody has the same retina. No one has the same, exact same DNA. That's, that's a recent development as, as far as history goes to, to understand the complexities of how our bodies are created. There's, there's no one that has, has your face exactly. I mean, I've seen some that look like me, but poor people, but they, they didn't look exactly like me. And in fact, my, my wife's computer is a, is a facial recognition computer. So in order to get into her computer, she has to look at her computer and it recognizes her and then gives her access to her programs. Pretty, pretty amazing how, how God has fashioned us and created us. Something else that's unique about us is, is, uh, is your voice. There's, there's hardly anybody who has a voice just like yours. And, and I'm going to go back to some ancient times. How, how many of you in here remember rotary phones? Anybody? There's some of you that do. How many of you remember party line? Oh, there's some of you remember that. Remember you pick it up and go, oh, can't use the phone yet. Somebody else is on the, on the line. How many of you remember dialing five digits? If you were dialing a local call, I remember a friend of mine, his number was 71231, and that's all you had to dial. And, and for some of you that are, let me just tell you how, how much by faith we had to live in those days. Because the phone would ring, and there was no caller ID. You didn't know who was on the other side of the phone. But the phone would ring, and everybody would run and, and grab the phone and say hello, not knowing who was on the other line. I mean, because I don't know about you, but on my cell phone, if there's a ring that comes up and I don't recognize the number, leave me a voicemail. I'll get back with you. Because I'm not answering it if I don't know who that is. Back then, we just had to run, and it was just taken by chance. Hello? But what was amazing is that when the person on the other side of the phone spoke, you knew whether it was somebody that you knew or it was a stranger. 
And, and especially if it might end up being a sales call. By the way, I think we're really missing something today about how you can hang up on somebody. I mean, because back in that day, you could just slam the phone and you could make the whole thing ring. And you, you communicated to the person on the other end, I'm mad I'm not talking to you anymore. And some of you are going, why did you do that? Well, that's because we had a phone hanging on the wall. And that, that's why I did. I mean, it takes something out of it today when the only way you can hang up on somebody is go. <laughs> I mean, it's just not the same as being able to slam down a receiver. But we're, we're uniquely crafted. We're uniquely made that, that God created us and he knew what he was doing. My dad had two open heart surgeries. And, and in those days when they did open heart surgeries, they would, they would take the vein, take a vein out of the leg to reroute the arteries for the heart. And when they took that vein out, it did no, did no damage to the leg that, that God created us with some extra parts that could be used to, to, uh, to help us. Amazingly created. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's masterpiece. I want you to know today, you are God's masterpiece. God created you with the personality that you have, with the, with the physical characteristics that you have, your, your personality. And he, he says of you that you are wonderful, that you are a masterpiece. I'm reminded of the third grader that, that said, God made me and God don't make no junk. Because don't allow somebody else to speak negative into your life because God has created you uniquely who you are. So God knows you. God's in pursuit of you. God created you. And God has a plan for you. You see, the whole verse in Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You see, you're not here by accident. Nobody arrives on this planet by accident. God has a purpose. God has a plan for every individual that is born on this planet. God has a plan for you. It's amazing to me that with the billions of people that are present on the earth today, that God has individual plans for every single one of them. And the psalmist echoes that in verse 16. Every day my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand and when I wake up, you are still with me. David says, this is, this is incredible. He said that not only does God know me, not only does he pursue me, not only did he create me, but he has a unique plan for my life. And he says that he's got it all laid out. And then David goes on to say, and your thoughts about me that you... You think about me all the time. And what, a, what an amazing statement he makes. They outnumber the sands of the sea. Earlier, he talks about being by the ocean. The great thing about living in New Mexico is we have lots of beach. We just don't have much water. 
So we can recognize this whole concept of the sand of the seas. He said, it's innumerable, the thoughts that you have about me. And the great thing is that all of those thoughts about you are positive. They're not negative thoughts. They're they're positive thoughts. And David says that that this is more than I can comprehend. I, I can't even imagine what this is like. See, today I want you to know that God that that loves you, the God that pursues you, the God that knows everything about you, is a God that cares tremendously about you. He cares about those things that are going on in your life. Wouldn't it be great if our lives were always up and to the right? But you know, that's really not how life happens. Life does not always go straight up and to the right. There are dips, there are valleys. Thank God there are those mountaintops, those those wonderful times that we experience. But God says, I want you to know I'm going to be with you in every part of that. Because I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to abandon you. That I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to I'm going to be right beside you. Because I think you are a masterpiece. That's why today he he didn't make anybody else like you. There's nobody in the world that's exactly like you. Because he is a creative God and he's a he's a God who comes alongside us. He's a God that cares about us. You see, when I when I read through Psalm 139 and, and the things I've shared with you this morning, what I discover is a God that thinks you're valuable. You know, today, it, it seems like in, in some circles and in some quarters of our world, it seems like that, that, that lives are devalued and people are unimportant. And God says, I want you to know that, that you're incredibly valuable. Why else would he describe us as a masterpiece? You know, masterpieces are valuable. And he says to you and I today, you are valuable. Right where you are, right who you are. You know, it's an interesting terminology, that, that term value, that we're valuable. You know, how, how do you establish value of something? I have a I have a seventy two cutlass in in my garage at home and 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 I have a I have a certain idea about what I think that that vehicle is worth and uh, and if I decided to sell it that's what I would put on it I would put on there this is its value but you know what reality is reality is that may be how valuable it is to me. But it may not be that valuable to somebody else. You see, because value is not determined by the price that's on something. That doesn't determine its value. Value is determined by what someone is willing to pay. Because there are some pretty expensive pieces of cardboard. If you're a, if you're a baseball card collector or... Or, you know, you know, if you looked at that, you would go, that's not worth very much. But it's worth a lot because somebody's willing to pay that. You see, my 72 cutlass, I could, I could establish that, okay, this is the value of it. I'm going to put this price on it. But if no one is willing to pay that price, 
That's really not its value. Because the value is determined by the price someone is willing to pay. John 3.16 says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. You see, when God looked at us and said you were valuable, he didn't just say you're valuable. He said, let me show you how valuable you are. First Peter explains it better for us, even in more detail. He says, you know that in the past you were living in a worthless way, a way passed down from the people who lived before you. But you were saved from that useless life. You were bought not with something that ruins like gold or silver, but with the precious blood of Christ, who was like a pure and perfect lamb. You see, and it's true, value is determined by what someone is willing to pay. And God said, this is how valuable you are. I will send my only son to die on a cross so that you can come into relationship with me. And God says, this is how valuable you are. Because this is the price that I'm willing to pay. And yes, you are, you are wonderfully made. You are, I'm in pursuit of you. I know everything about you. You know, sometimes we think, well, if, if God really knew me, he wouldn't really love me. And the reality is God already knows that. He just needs for us to own it. And he says, this is how valuable you are. Because it's not with silver or gold that I'm going to pay the price for you. It's with the precious blood of my son who died on a cross so that you could be in relationship with me. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you today, Lord, that you're an awesome, incredible God. Father, and you're a God who who knows everything about us. Father, that today, Lord, whether we're in relationship with you or not, you're in pursuit of us because you want a relationship with us. Father God, and you have created us, you have declared us your masterpiece. Father, and you have a plan, Lord, and part of that plan is that we would walk in relationship with you. Father, and you gave us the way to walk in that relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ. Father, you declared we are valuable. I want to ask you to keep your heads bowed for just a moment. Because I don't, I don't know where you are today in a relationship with God or whether you have a relationship with God. But I want you to know today that God cares deeply about you. He loves you more than you can even imagine. More than you could ever know. But God didn't just tell us that he loved us. He demonstrated that love through his son, Jesus Christ. And in just a moment, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, today would be a great day for that to happen. 
And all it takes on our part is, is admitting to God what, what He already knows. He, he already said, I, I know everything about you. What it takes on our part is going, God, you know that I've made some bad choices and some wrong decisions. And I need forgiveness. And I want my life to be different. The path I'm headed on now is not a good path. And I need to change directions. And I'm going to need your help to do that. You see, I think all of us want to, want to be better. We want to, we want to do better. We want to make better decisions. And, and it seems like the, the more we try that on our own, the less successful we are with that. And God says, I want, to, I want to help you with that. I want to come alongside. I want to, I want to be in your life. To make the changes that are necessary so that you can be and fulfill the plan that I've got for you. Because it's a great plan. It's an amazing plan. No one could have ever been able to tell me that from 1972 when I received Christ to where I would be today. The things that he has taken me in and through. And he won't just do it for me. He'll do it for you too. And in just a moment, I'm going to count to three. And if you want to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I'm going to ask you to slip your hand straight up over your head. Say, Pastor, that's, that's me today. I need a change in my life. And today is my day. And when I get to three, I'm just going to ask you just, just Pastor, that's me. That's where I am. So one, God knows your heart. And He knows your desire, and God wants to bring it to pass in your life, too. And today, you want to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I want, to lift, I want you to lift your hand straight over your head. Three. Right now, lift it straight over your head. Pastor, that's where I am today. There are hands all over this room. Let me pray with you right now. Father, I thank you, Lord, for every individual that raised their hands this morning. Father God, that you said if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. And Father, today, Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for his love for us. I want to ask everyone in the room to follow me in this prayer. I'm going to pray a phrase. I want everyone to pray it out loud with me. Heavenly Father, everybody out loud. Heavenly Father, I thank you today. For Jesus Christ. I've made some bad choices. And some wrong decisions. And I need your forgiveness. I ask you to forgive me today. Come into my life. The things I've been doing wrong. I'm going to stop doing. And I need your help. Thank you for your forgiveness today. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Pastor. Thank you so much for letting me share with you today.